0: to the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia.
1: We're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And today,
0: like every day,
1: (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in
0: between. Trust us. It's awesome.
1: Episode
0: 105.
1: I do not... Actually, no, I refuse to record today, even though we're uh, the recording right now. <laughs>
0: too uh, doing it. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I am not going to do anything different <laughs> besides sitting here.
0: <laughs> Fine. If you must. <laughs> if you must resist, I will allow it.
1: <laughs> Fine. We're done. Over it.
0: Oh, we're just done with the show completely? We're done with the
1: show. Over. Perfect. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. We hit our 100. This is our fifth after it, and it finally imploded.
0: Yep. And I don't want to be I don't want to be accountable for this this show anymore.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this has anything to do with what we're talking about today. Um... I
0: think, I think <laughs> the the general themes for the listeners who are like, why? What are they doing again? What
1: what's their weird thing?
0: Discussing accountability and uh, accountability, responsibility, taking ownership as not only themes in. Couples therapy, but also themes that you could pull out from your own individual therapy. In session is part of where I want to go when the therapist is interacting with the clients, as well as out of session in your own civilian, like day to day life as a client. So that's where I'm hoping to go today.
1: Yeah, love this. And this is a cool idea that you brought to me a while ago. And I'm um, something that you attune to regularly in your work that I don't. So I'm really excited to kind of hear this. I have some ideas. I mean, when you've told me some of these ideas, I have some of like my versions of it, but, and, but I, so I'll probably throw my spin on it, but why don't you lay that foundation about what you're talking about, about these really cool things to look for both in the therapeutic space, as well as just in daily life with resistance and accountability.
0: Mm -hmm. So where this started coming up for me, I was noticing in my couple's work is when specifically in some dyads who come in and they want the partner to be wrong and themselves to be right.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe not
0: moralistically, but they're like, well, if he would just, or she would just change this, then I would, you know, they're not mm-hmm. taking accountability for what they do. And we touched on this, I think last, um, I was about to say session, last episode, <laughs> last um, session. a common theme, the last yeah. session, you and I, uh, we're in couples therapy for our podcast like relationship. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. I've worked with couples before where there's a request for a behavior change of a partner that the requester is not maybe willing or currently doing themselves. So it's like, you leave your clothes everywhere. It drives me nuts. And then I would hold the other partner accountable. Well, do you ever do that? And they're like, no, no, that's not what this is about. So that's where the accountability and resistance, like continuum I see is, no, no, no. It's not about me. We're here to talk about them. Like I'm perfect. (laughs) I'm immune to this. I don't need to be accountable or responsible for this behavior if they would just fill in the blank. So that's like one theme I see within that like client relationship. And I, you have, it looks like you have a thought. So I I was
1: going to add in like, yeah. So I totally see this all the time when couples first start therapy. Um, It can be really common that um, one or both partners come in with, of course, the complaint of the other. Like, Hey, this is what the issue is. And one or both partners are really hoping that I will join in with them and agree with them. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't always look super hardcore, stubborn, like where people are at that. I mean, I think, honestly, a majority of couples come in knowing like if they're going to start this process, there is going to be some give and
0: take. Sure.
1: So there's lesser versions that are very common of this where it's still this is what I want to add to it. It's still the like each partner is so hyper focused on the thing they don't like about the other partner it puts like a blind spot or shield to them looking at themselves. And so one of the early things in couples therapy is me always framing the conflict blocks and the points as both partners equally contributing to whatever the stuck is, whatever the fight is, whatever the issue is. So I know that's going exactly in the direction you're going with it, but I definitely hear what you're talking about. This common thing of in relationships, Mm -hmm. we're so focused in on my partner needs to change. And it because we're so experienced that thing as a negative, whatever yep. isn't going well for us, we don't often stop and go, oh, well, wait a second. What can I change? Oh, wait a second. You know, mm-hmm. why don't I listen to my partner and the stuff that they're doing? Because mm-hmm. we get, get defensive of, wait, you're telling me I need to change, but you're not changing. It's just a stupid cycle that everyone gets stuck in.
0: Yeah. And I, I when I work with my clients, yes, this is on the right track. And when I work with my clients on this. They usually resist when I'm like, we'll get to your partner. (laughs) We got time. We got plenty of time. We can do another session this week if you want. Let's go to you. Why is this bothersome for you? Do you Mm -hmm. ever do this behavior? Did a parent ever do this behavior? And there's a way to work with resistance where it doesn't shift the client. Or if you're looking at this for like, how can you apply this as your individual self? If you're not in couples or individual therapy, or just like a person who's resistant to feedback or like constructive criticism, is there a part of you that knows it's true and doesn't want to believe it? Is there a part of you that this is like your shadow side that you don't really want to take ownership or accountability for? Therefore, if somebody provides you the opportunity to do so, naturally, your defense or your response is resistance, because I don't want to go there. No, 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 you don't understand. I'm, I'm telling you it's them. If they would just be different, I wouldn't have to feel this way guess what? That's not the only way that you don't have to feel this way. If you can hold yourself accountable to be impeccable with your behaviors and do everything that you ask your partner to do, you also have a higher ground to stand on when it comes to making a request of them. And they are more likely to take accountability. And you're more likely to be less resistant if I even bring up that you should be taking accountability or could benefit from taking accountability. Because You could say, yeah, and I, and my clients now after weeks of working together, they're like, and I already know what you're going to say. Yes, I do this before I brought it up. Like it helps keep them in the couple state of mind, which is the whole focus in psychoanalytic couples therapy is that they are not in a codependent sense, but they are one psyche. The, The aim is that they are two independent selves working from the framework of like the couple state of mind, the couple relationship, how can I honor my best self oxygen mask analogy, but also know that I'm part of a dyad now. Uh I'm not only one person making decisions or behaving and living in a house by myself. And even if you live separately from your partner, they still interact with you. I would imagine you're in each other's homes, metaphorically and literally. So when you're looking at the accountability, resistance, like feedback loop, Can you tell yourself that you do the behavior that you're requesting your partner does if it is one of those behavior change requests? And can you be open to not being as resistant if they push back, if your therapist pushes on you a little bit to look at your own life of why is this a problem? And I'll ask my clients like, okay, and what if this never changes? Mind you, this probably been a pattern for like 10 to 15 years at this point. So we have some evidence that it won't change in some ways. And we have some evidence that it's like, it's how you ask that makes the change when you're wanting your partner to be accountable for something, this is that second piece of it. They can also be resistant. Well, I don't want to take accountability for that because that means I might have flaws. I might be at fault. I might not be the perfect partner. It requires a person to look inward at some of their um, the bad or not so proud of myself parts that I might have. And some people are very resistant to that and are resistant to that, especially in couples therapy, because they don't want to be seen in a bad light by their partner or they don't want their partner to see them in a way that then not in an abusive sense, but that it gets brought up in um, a therapy session in the future.
1: Yeah, it it can be very difficult to answer the therapeutic question of what is so difficult to hear these things? How come when this happens, resistance comes up? What is going on? emotionally for you that then the wall goes up of nope I don't need to address this Uh, that Mm -hmm. can be very difficult Um, but that is why we softly and genuinely guide our clients into being able to tolerate that and I would say more importantly that in relationship the partner can um, be able to communicate that and tolerate it so that's kind of like a big overview of couples therapy Uh all right One point I wanted to make, or another thing I want to add to what you're saying is because you're talking about resistance of also accountability that are you doing what you're requesting of your partner? Absolutely agree. Yeah. And it's also not necessarily like a tit for tat, like the laundry example. It's the, well, I'm asking for one thing and my partner's asking me for a different thing. Are we just in general... Responding to one another's requests in a team effort, collaborative effort, in a um, good faith effort to be there. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to clarify that it doesn't have to be the exact same thing, though. Definitely, that's important to look at. Like, you're asking your partner to speak with a respectful tone, and you're always like shaming, blaming with anger. Um, probably not, yeah. not going to get you very far. True. But the key is that like so often couples get into, well, I've asked this of my partner and they've asked this of me and I don't want to do what they're asking because they don't do what I'm asking. And, and then you just kind of go, all right, cool. So over 10, 15 years, you gotten stuck and both people are just waiting for the other to budge. Um, you're, that's just going to guarantee no one's going to budge. And it's about like, well, let's take a look at if, if one of you or to the listener here who's in the relationship, who's actually on the podcast, what if you chose to go, okay, I'm going to look at this resistance to change, understand why it's risky for me. Maybe it's painful, like we're talking about. Maybe it's scary. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, I am i don't trust that if I put effort into change, my partner will also. Right. But let's look at that, work through that difficult emotion. So you can then, as you said, can I get to the higher ground? Or also, I would say, start the change process. Because... Yes. That when you lower your resistance and start working to try to do what your partner's been asking of you, then your partner will see that and go, oh, they're putting the effort in. They're listening to me and my needs. That feels good. I can start doing the same. I'm going to start lowering right. my resistance to their requests. Right, and right. that's where you go into what we've talked about before, about the, the positive spiral upwards. Now it's the instead of this like negative sentiment that goes down, 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 and you're an override, as we've talked about, and you're just like, no, 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 you're switching the direction of, oh, look, we're both putting different. Maybe it's not perfect. Maybe there's still plenty of times laundry is left on the floor, but there's a lot of other great moments where it's been picked up and it's like, mm-hmm. I, we both know we're putting the effort in. That goodwill yeah. goes so far to lowering resistance and actually leading to a change in a relationship.
0: Yes. And that change will be more long lasting when it's done so out of individual volition rather than under duress. So if your partner is like, well, I don't want to lose you, so I'll change. First of all, many, many complications potentially with that. But you would like you would like it more so if somebody brought something up to you and you had the space to change it and hold yourself Mm -hmm. accountable rather than the partner, which is where nagging comes in, we can do a whole episode on what nagging actually is and okay. how it feels, what it isn't, why people do it. Um, I think that would be a good one because that does come up in sessions a lot. And it it almost manifests sometimes, not like the woo-woo manifestation, but it manifests sometimes as trying to hold your partner accountable. Well, you said that you were going to do this thing. Where is it? Like, Where are my okay. results that we agreed upon? And having a we've talked about this, like having an agreement that you follow up on, like after we've made it a deal, like Uh deal, I will pick up my laundry, you will pick up your laundry by Friday mornings. And you start to notice over like the course of, let's say three to four weeks, not just one week, like give somebody time to change that Uh it's not being done. Then instead of nagging your partner, being passive aggressive, being critical, et cetera, which is going to increase their resistance to be accountable. And also Uh if you bring it up in couples therapy, then I will be looking at you of like, how are you bringing it up? I have no doubt you're bringing it up, but Mm -hmm. how? And that's where last episode comes in is like, are you hinting? Are you being direct? And if you're being direct, can you be direct in a kind way? Hey, we had a deal. This is what we talked about. From my understanding, our deal was X day, X time, X behavior. Do we need to renegotiate that? Or is that something we can still adhere to? Mm -hmm. Really coming at it more from like a business lens rather than it being it's personal, I'm hurt, et cetera. It doesn't mean those feelings are invalid, but likely rare cases, your partner's not sitting there going, you know, it would really piss my partner off if I just leave one sock and don't do what I've agreed upon because I love being nagged. Said no one ever. Like that is usually not what people are wanting. And if you are in a tit for tat relationship, you need a whole different kind of couples therapy if that's where you're at.
1: Important conversation, different conversation than that. Yes. (laughs) Uh... What I get curious then about, oh, let me back up. So this is, so we've outlined this dynamic yeah. and some of what can happen in therapy and also, you know, the relationship. And then also what we're talking about is the template of what to yes. be doing differently. How do you support clients, whether it's individual or couples to lowering resistance and or increasing accountability? I have some ideas about how, yeah. you know, again, I, don't, I haven't historically thought this way, but as I'm mm-hmm. kind of putting this concept into my work, I have some ideas about how I support couples doing that. I'm curious for you, Talia, sure. how do you help your clients lower resistance, increase accountability?
0: So the first step, the, how I help my clients lower resistance is the classic validation and empathy and mm-hmm. leveling with them that the current way they're doing it as evidenced by what they're bringing up clearly isn't working. If it, me, up, I, it would be. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I want to interrupt that. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that's so important because actually, I think there's two things you're you're pointing out there. Yeah. That I that I also do with my clients in a you know and slowing it down. So I interrupted. Yeah. First of all, that validation piece is so key. When yeah. and we and we do that in therapy all the time, and it's such an important skill for this dynamic inner relationship when there's an mm-hmm. issue,
0: mm-hmm. when
1: you can get to a place where you feel understood by your partner that they've, that, that they've heard you and get why the thing is difficult for you. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to be like, okay, cool. They get it. That's a huge step in lowering resistance. It's why I always work with my couples to start with understanding each other first, then go to problem solving, listen, then solution. If you so many times couples go straight to the solution thing, and right. by the way, these types of behavior requests are very clumsy offers of solutions. Like, mm-hmm. hey, pick up your laundry. Cause that's the solution to me not liking this as opposed to sitting with the understanding of why is that so distressing? For some people having laundry on the floor isn't a big deal. That's how mm-hmm. they live their life, whatever. Let's understand why that doesn't feel good. Why it's stressful for me to see that visually on the floor. It's why every time I see that, I feel like I'm not important to you because I've made these requests in the past. Or every time I see that, I just go, oh, so nothing I have to deal with when I'm already stressing out about these other things. Understanding that then brings the resistance down to offer the solutions. And now it's like, oh, cool. Now that you understand me, I'm down to hear some feedback about Mm -hmm. what I might be able to do differently, what we might be able to do differently. So that's why I just want to jump in on that. The validation piece is so key because that brings connection in relationship, Mm -hmm. whether it's with your therapist or whether it's in the relationship. And when you're connected, you're in a place of, cool, we're a team. Cool. Mm -hmm. Now we can find new solutions to old problems because it's not a confrontational place. It's on the same, same page. So I just wanted to jump on that. I
0: appreciate you bringing that up because that's where the empathy piece comes in as well. With a lot of the couples I work with, the wives, I, uh, I align with the male psyche sometimes more than the female psyche, though, as of late, I align a lot more with the female psyche. So I've seen the spectrum of it, but the, the, um, the uh, grievance uh, is the word I'm looking for of, I wish they would just know why do I have to keep bringing this up? I have shared like, like we said, last episode directly, indirectly, et cetera. And sometimes it isn't yielding a result, Um, and I, I level with them of like, no, I, I trust me personally and professionally. I get it. I get how hard that must be to feel like you have to do everything all the time to feel. And in most cases actually be responsible for the whole family, the whole household, the whole, what have you. And I understand if, correct me if I'm wrong, that's my favorite phrase to use, which is rare, but I also think it helps them to know that like, I am totally open. If they're like, that's not accurate at all for me to be, there's the accountability piece. Thank you. Because I was going to go off on this thing. And if it's not that, let me redirect. So it models what we're talking about today, too. That, like, I get that that's how it feels. And it sounds like your goal is to share with your partner how hard this is. You don't want it to be this way, et cetera. How you're wording it right now, though, is not going to land that way. So I, that's where the validation, and empathy, and like being constructive of shifting them to what will work instead, uh-huh. rather than getting stuck in that problem saturated story. Uh-huh. Well, they if they would just this, I get that. And again, if our like circling back, broken record, if our goal is this, you need to let that go, uh-huh. and then validating and empathizing. But I don't want. I get that your resistance to letting it go, but you uh-huh. have to. Like if if you want what you're describing, you cannot use the same skills and interventions quotes that you've been using, because clearly it's not yielding the goal that you want. So we need to redirect. So I, I start with holding them accountable. And sometimes they are resistant. They're like, well, you don't, I'm like, I get it more than I can let on ethically. And I really do understand where you're coming from because it's draining and this isn't how it's been in the past. And maybe you've tried and been vulnerable and, and wanted to open up and you have felt shut down, but is there any possibility that your partner, Did want to do those things for you and maybe it was the time that you asked or it was an indirect ask or they didn't know how important it was until like i really try to get the whole couple state of mind engaged in the therapy process and then have the partner again typically in this example the husband be like i see that you do it all and i've tried to help but you either micromanage me course correct me tell me i'm not doing it right you cert me and do it anyway why would I keep trying? Or I've tried to be intimate with you. I've tried to be funny. I've tried to plan what all these requests have been, you know, from last episode, like I've, I've done all these direct or indirect requests, and it doesn't feel like it's yielding anything. So can you see it from my perspective that I would be resistant to doing what you're asking if I'm not getting praise or, or validation in return that this is actually working? I want to know that we're on the right track if I actually do what you're requesting that I do. So that's, that's usually how I start that piece. So they aren't as resistant because if I were to just like, oh, just change. Oh, just stop it. Oh, just this. That's like the people who are like, oh, you're anxious. Don't worry about it. Oh, you should write a fucking book. How brilliant. Yeah. You. I didn't think to not think about it because I've been so busy thinking about it. <laughs> like it's much easier if you actually are able to address it and then they can be like, okay, she gets it. But I also don't co-sign. In ineffective behavior or therapy inter- interfering behavior, and I, I think you're that way too. You might have a different tact with it, but we generally, from what I've gathered over these years of knowing you, we generally have the same goal of people getting the most out of therapy.
1: Heck, yeah. And one of those things about getting this understanding, these yeah. shifts, these changes, I think about this like a moment you're describing of the partner wanting to have these, you know, requests yeah. um, of their of their partner and not having it. And then when we start flipping it back, like how that can be difficult. And you started talking about that earlier in this episode about it can be really hard to take mm-hmm. a look in. So I, oh, yeah. I want to do kind of my version of that, which is a lot of times – you know, it's very like almost kind of standard couples therapy practice where we shift from the you statements to I statements, i.e., mm-hmm. stop pointing the finger, shaming, blaming your partner, shift to focus on your internal world. And that's how you can start having more productive conversations, sharing this is what the impact of this behavior is on me. This is what I'm thinking in these moments. This is what I'm feeling in these moments. And then this is how these thoughts and feelings, I act on them. This is what's going on for me. When you can do that, then that tends to bring some of um, the conversation to a more productive zone. Mm-hmm. How come that is so hard for people? And that's kind of what I want to dive into is yeah. that, like, why is it, why do we just naturally go to, I want to focus on my partner and what they need to do differently? And I've already mentioned that part of that is sort of a, a clumsy way of finding a solution to a problem. Well, that begs the question, what is the problem? What is going on? And that is always, like, one of the things to mm-hmm. slow down. It's like, what is feeling so difficult there? And then more importantly, why is it so difficult to look at, I'm struggling with something? Yes. Why? What is going on that it's hard for me to look at? Wait, this does stress me out. Um, and it has to do with these, like, you know, we explore different realms of where that, um, those thoughts and feelings came from Mm -hmm. from childhood to yesterday Mm -hmm. to values to learned realities um and it's like that's part of what i think in the therapeutic sense whether it's couples or individuals can help lower resistance is cool let's dive let's do a deep dive into where did this idea that clothes shouldn't be left on the floor come from Mm-hmm. and understand that. And it's not necessarily about that that has to change, but let's take a look and see so that yes. we can, with that deeper understanding, exercise that muscle of looking inward about this is difficult for me. What can I do to address that on my own versus pointing outward and saying, hey, my partner needs to change. Mm-hmm. And all of that, as I wrap this like big idea up, all of that goes into an evaluation of does change actually need to happen or does acceptance need to happen? Do I need Mm -hmm. to accept for me that
0: such a good point? I
1: have this place. That's my challenge. Do I need to accept that I've chosen and made a commitment to my partner and my partner leaves laundry on the floor and I can accept that. And then in that acceptance, wrapping all up with like, if we get to that place, what needs to be grieved? What do we need to grieve? Maybe there was something that we didn't grieve from our past and that's why it's distressing and we need to heal from that. Yeah. Or maybe it's, oh yeah, maybe, I, maybe it is that like this is my partner and they're not me and that's okay. And that means I'm going to grieve that they're not this, this part of them is not what I would hope for. And that can mm-hmm. be sad and that's okay. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean you don't love your partner. It means, oh, all right. There's this acceptance and grief place that, maybe there is going to be laundry on the floor more often than I would like if I was living alone, but I'm in partnership and life is different. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are like really big themes, but I think that's a really like key like therapeutic journey to go on to at least come to deeper understanding, look at not just change as a goal, but perhaps acceptance. And uh, I said, I was going to try to wrap this up, but when I say it that way, I do want to like point out that like as a therapist, Inherently, I'm, I, at least my style of therapy, I am biased towards the change model. That's kind of, like, why I do what I do. I believe humans in relationships can change. But I think it's really important to acknowledge that, like, change is not always the goal. Like, behavior change is not always the goal. True. Acceptance can be a type of radical change, too, of going, oh, I'm okay with my life this way. So um, yeah. there's always that, that um, tension between change and acceptance.
0: And to your I love that you brought that up. Honestly, I, I, that just gave me so many ideas for, uh-huh. for so many different creative pieces. Uh-huh. When you are you first brought up the question of why is it so difficult? I'm paraphrasing. Why is it so yeah. difficult for us to look inward at our own parts that we may not like? I'm, I may not have skill or familiarity with acceptance on a subconscious level or maybe like half conscious level, okay. which is why I would be more resistant to looking at, Parts of myself that i don't like that honestly maybe my partner's already accepted about me mm-hmm. like they haven't brought up and mm-hmm. here i am thinking i'm not more perfect but like less faulted than i might actually mm-hmm. be or, or less annoying or what have you that i might actually be and you could bring it up to your partner like no you totally do that and it is super annoying but i just don't care like i don't ask you to change it i've accepted that about you and all the other parts that i love and we've talked about the difference between putting up with and tolerating uh-huh. to tolerate is literally to interact with and still have respect for uh-huh. to put up with is what we often think about. Oh, I'm tolerating them. That's actually opposite to put That's up with. Is like, yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. I got to do this and that, you know, I guess we often conflate the two and it's so important that we want to, if we are putting up with certain behaviors and we don't really think we can handle it and we've made a behavioral change request and it's a deal breaker, I wouldn't recommend, pursuing or continuing if at all possible that relationship because it's going to lead to a lot of resentment and a lot of gridlock and what we've described resistance in the beginning of this episode less accountability if you can move towards acceptance and from the beginning maybe lead with not benefit of the doubt blindly trusting and being like nothing bothers me at all they're literally so perfect we're not talking about that it's really about i accept that's the way that you are i accept that with all the other wonderful qualities about you comes some laundry on the floor or some forgetfulness or some dishes in the sink. And to me, I'd rather put up with that. I would rather put up with that and I accept that and love you unconditionally, especially if I know it's not personal. That's something for me to accept too. It's not personal. I don't need to make it personal unless my partner is like, yeah, and I have been leaving it on the floor to piss you off because the other day you didn't like, if it's not the tit for tat, yeah. you can more easily move into acceptance. And to your point, not everything has to be a behavior change, It, it nay. Some things do have to be a behavior change, but it might be you changing your behavior and taking accountability and, and acceptance within yourself about your partner. Like that might be who needs to change the behavior yeah. is you.
1: Well, and recently on, on the podcast, I, I, I gave like the, I, maybe it was the last episode too, that, that example of like, um, there might be a behavior change, but it's it's you, not your partner. And, mm-hmm. and so the example with this of the laundry on the floor is like, there's been this focus on, hey, the laundry has to get picked up. Maybe the change is you have to be okay with the laundry on the floor. And I'm pointing that out because remember, my whole point is helping someone think that way and they probably go, ew, no, I hate that. That's stressful. It's going to be really hard for me to get used to leaving laundry on the floor. That's really difficult. I'm not okay with it. Exactly. And remember, that's what you're asking your partner to do. I'm not here to decide what you two actually choose, but right. I'm helping to build that empathy to know like, just how difficult and resistant you are to getting okay with laundry left on the floor, and you would have to do a lot of work to change how you feel about that and change the behavior of allowing that to happen. You're asking your partner to do that work. Maybe that's where you mm-hmm. want to go, and you two agree that's where you want your household to be, right, but right. don't lose sight of the fact that, well, I'm just asking you to pick up the laundry. And for you picking up the laundry is a piece of fucking cake. It's not for your partner. Otherwise it would already be happening. It's, it's the same level of emotional labor and, um, and pain Mm -hmm. for them to get used to picking up the laundry as it would be for you to be accepting that the laundry is always going to be on the floor. So Mm -hmm. that's such one of like a big, important reframes, or it's like, it's not even a reframe. It's like a, widening of a lens. So it's like, don't just focus on your experience of what you want and how easy it would be for you. Let's widen a lens and realize, well, if you flip it on its head, that would be really difficult for you. are what you're asking is actually really difficult for your partner. So it helps build that empathy understanding.
0: Yeah, I've, I think I've mentioned that on a um, previous episode uh, about emotionality, that I, I can make a request for my partner to be more emotional uh, because that's my comfort level. I like swim in it all day, as you know, but that might not be his comfort level. That might be something that he feels like, oh, I'm not gonna, you asking me to have emotions would be as illogical as me asking you to not have emotions. <laughs> and when he said that, I was like, oh shit, he's right. Like that makes a lot of sense. I can make a request and that might be so on my partner or laborious for them to go to that it doesn't hit that worth it factor, especially for men. What we see i mean there's not a literal like light switch in there when we do brain scans but there is somewhat of a worth it factor of like do you go through four levels of like when criticism happens when you perceive it men actually have like four layers that they go through mentally women it's like immediately we feel criticized and we have to do something about it so you naturally have more built-in protection that if we ask you to make a change you consider the source you think if it's actually going to be worth it you think how much it would cost you whatever resource to do and then you decide to do it or not i'm loosely paraphrasing the levels that could be a whole other episode you go through different levels that you might have already um started to include these changes and it isn't as much work and so we start to see like oh we have this uh, not false belief we have a generalized assumption that needs to be examined that because I've asked you to change these things and you've done it, I could ask you to change anything and you'll do it. And that's not necessarily the case. Your partner has to see merit and value and still be themselves at the end of the day and authentic if they make the change. And that's why I recommend couples when they're wanting their partner to be accountable for something and to not be resistant to whatever it might be, is that something that if they changed it would benefit whomever they were with. Is this something so specific that it's just you that wants this or just you that would benefit from it? Or is it like in the general sense, like knowing how to do your laundry? We always go back to that as an example. That is a life skill. Could you outsource it? Sure. You don't need to though. Like I would argue laundry is a life skill that no one would be hurt from knowing how to do. So if you're, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm hoping most partners know how to do that by the time they couple together. But I remember one guy in college didn't know how to, and all of us were like, oh my gosh, like you're 27, how what this is miraculous that you've made it this long without knowing how a washing machine works. Go a ahead. little
1: bias here on my part. Um, okay. Now that the internet exists, I don't think there's an excuse. <laughs> I definitely think that previous generations, yeah. I could get like I definitely like I don't know I've never Oops. had this experience, but I can definitely yeah. imagine before the internet. Of course. A, someone who didn't have a an, an elder figure show them how to do laundry, I, yes, look at a washing are- machine, and go, huh? Wow.
0: But now nowadays. Sense
1: there's this thing called Google and YouTube and yep. like, there's really no excuse. Um, yeah. And I did. Um, I'm sure um, there's case scenarios and I don't want to get like emails now from people that excuses like why, like it wasn't there, but like, come read, on, the internet exists
0: on rocks. That's fine. But I, you, you, we're talking about like, there are basic life skills or, or communication skills, listening skills, relation, building skills, relationship, bonding skills. Yeah, I actually good.
1: think those are more difficult to learn than laundry, because oh, you're talking about like oh, those yeah. basic things, and those like you can kind of read and kind of get like these podcasts yeah. or some of what's out yeah. there. But it's yeah. so much more complicated than like I can just literally look at what's the make and model of this washing machine and Google yeah. it, and there will be like a tutorial ad <laughs> that the washing I mean, machine company at, wants me to at, watch like, and learn Wiki it.
0: WikiHow on like how to yeah. fill your fillings, how to do, you can. To your point, I love it. You can Google anything now, but some people are resistant to, we could, we, I, on my other podcast, one of them, I have a whole episode on like learned helplessness, failure to launch, like where that stems from. Is it family system oriented or does that person get chosen by a partner who wants to fix and overdo and is the over-functioner in the relationship? And so the person's like, I never had to do my laundry. So when, before we, before we go on a tangent, when I have, when I, I can see your face like going all yeah. these directions. I just want to finish this thought. Otherwise, it'll lose my brain um, or I'll lose it from my brain. When we're asking our partner to make a behavior change that would benefit no matter who they're with, that is usually the safer bet of offering that to your partner. And I have a bias because I'm a marriage family therapist. I see couples day in and day out. So do you. My partner is not a marriage family therapist. When I make earlier on, when we were like first together, I would make requests of like, and this is why and i'm not saying it just for me but literally anybody you date this is what's going to happen like here we go and he's like okay that makes sense i explained it in a way that he saw the benefit not only now but in the future and it's i brought it up once and it's a non-issue and i'm not had to nag or bring those things up again a because of how i framed it and b because i explained the benefit was not just for me it would better us and if we were ever not together it would benefit whomever he was with like you have to know how to word it for your partner to actually be less resistant that's my My, um, what's the word? My, and my ending keynote for that point.
1: (laughs) Well, and I can take that with the tangent that I thought of, that like how you word it for your partner to be less resistant is how you word it. So you don't overwhelm your partner. My little thought was like, always look for the overwhelm. And I got that idea when you're talking about like that, that learned helplessness, that's a real thing. And And I think about, oh yeah, how, how do I support my clients to do that? It's because they've learned to be helpless So they've never developed the skill to Google something and take initiative to learn. And for those of us who've never been in that position, we forget, like, if you don't know how to do that, it can be very overwhelming to start imagining how to do that.
0: Yep, It's like
1: to those of us who were like, I'm saying my bias, like, it's so easy. You grab your phone, you Google something. For someone who's never done that or maybe doesn't, you know, I'm even thinking like maybe like um, someone who's not around technology a lot. It can be like, just because I don't know it, it's overwhelming. So I don't even want to touch that shit. Um, That's really difficult. And I think overwhelm, not all the time, but very commonly is going to be a key piece to look at for resistance when you're talking with your partner. And here's Mm -hmm. the thing, because this happens a lot where um, one partner says like, I've made this request, please do the thing. And their spouse is like kind of like off-putting, like, oh, yeah, whatever, I get it, and or not a big deal, I'm cool with it. But then in therapy, we talk about it deeper. I do my thing, slow it down, try to look at how come it is difficult. And so often, a feeling of overwhelm actually is underneath that. So, you know, if you're listening to this and your assumption about these requests from your partner is like, it's not a big deal, pick up the laundry go ahead and do an exercise for yourself and assume it's overwhelming for your partner. Just assume that. Even if they're reassuring you, no, 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 it's not a big deal. Um, Just assume it's overwhelming. And what will be useful for that is when you can picture your partner being overwhelmed by your request, it helps breed um, some more empathy like we're trying to talk about. That's what brings resistance down for your partner. And then also maybe you can start looking at yourself again it's always two people when you get stuck in these things and going, well, what's overwhelming me right now? How mm-hmm. come it's difficult for me to look at where I can change? Where does my mm-hmm. overwhelm go? That word and that emotion overwhelm is always such an a, um, important X marks the spot on the roadmap to connection that anytime I can bring that into couples to be thinking and understanding how am I overwhelmed, how is my partner overwhelmed, it's such a light bulb experience when couples can really start accepting and seeing that in themselves and each other. Um, overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Overwhelm. I can't stress enough how important it is to be curious about what's overwhelming for, for these situations.
0: Yes. And, and when I've, I've brought that up to couples, usually the response is like, are they a fucking idiot? Like how is this overwhelming to them? And I, again, will empathize with like, Yes, I can only imagine, but also have lived how frustrating it is to explain something that is common sense to you, that uh-huh. to your partner is brand new information. Uh-huh. And Great. maybe you learned it at nine years old. So you're really like, how did you make it 30 something years not knowing how to do this? Uh-huh. That is separate. That, that overwhelm that you feel is separate and can be honored the same way that the overwhelm or frustration or like confusion, whatever emotion or experience your partner is going through, both are valid. And this is, this is separate from the therapeutic trope of like both two things can be true at the same time. This is really about, you can be pissed off or frustrated or shocked or, or what have you at that your partner is overwhelmed by this and you can still be kind about it. You don't have to let that inform you to be dismissive or critical or what have you. And I'm glad that you brought that up. I've gone through that in my own partnerships recently where he was saying something of like, well, I just, that wouldn't have been that big of a deal to me. And I was just like, Well, good for fucking you. Like, I'm pretty sure I was at my worst self at that point. I was like, well, good for you. Like, that's nice that it wouldn't be for you, but it was for me. Been sobbing because I'm so hormonal. (laughs) He's (laughs) like, okay, I get it. But literally all you had to do was say like, I need help. And I shared that with you off air before. And I was like, I wasn't even in the mental bandwidth. I just wanted you to, you know, we all have our moments, but really being clear on like, to your point, if you bring something up and you share that, you can also say, I know, either from experience or I'm guessing, you don't have the same issue I have. That's why this is a problem, because we didn't interact assuming that we were on the same page. What overwhelms me might be your norm. Working from an overloaded schedule of this constantly being busy and overscheduled brings comfort to some people and brings overwhelm and chaos to another. So we have to level with the person of like, they're not me. That's the whole point of why I'm with them in in many ways is that they're not me as a self. I'm not dating a clone of myself. I would drive myself nuts, frankly. (laughs) I don't know about you. I want someone different. But sometimes those differences rub up against me wanting to be, which we've talked about in previous episodes from that analytic concept. Like we all have this desire for our partner subconsciously to be that like, omniscient, omnipresent parental figure who can meet all of our needs non-verbally without us having to ask, which directly translates from that infant-parent relationship that sometimes we were met in and our parents did meet all of those needs without literally us having words at those ages. And sometimes they missed us. And the same thing is going to happen in your adulthood relationships where sometimes your partner nails it and they're like, last time you said you were overwhelmed by this, just know I went ahead and took care of this in advance. And other times they're going to drop the ball because you didn't toss them the ball. Be yeah. care- very mindful when you bring up to your partner, like you dropped the ball in this. You're like, I didn't even know we were playing the game. I didn't yep. know we had called back in from a timeout coach. Like you didn't tell me. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I, I like that this all goes back to in relationships with our partners. We are different
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's all about accepting our differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, all about, yeah, it's all about, It really is a big deal. I mean, there's yeah. collaboration and stuff um, to meet in the middle at times but it's really like hey we're different and we need to be honest and accept that um and just to reiterate I mean, we say this all the time but it's such an important thing to always talk about like um probably the differences is what attracted you to your partner yep. and then over time then it becomes the frustration um yep welcome to relationship um and it's honoring yes. that like okay cool thing like in this moment i'm frustrated let me deal with that and instead yep. remind myself that's why I was attracted to my partner and I want to accept that they're different. Back to laundry on the I floor.
0: Said, I said Back. that very thing to oh, yeah? him last night. Oh, I was yeah. like, I love that you are so go with the flow. I honestly admire it. I envy it as part of why we're together. And in these moments where I've slept three hours and I'm <laughs> so tired and I haven't showered and I'm exhausted, I want to strangle you truly. Yeah. I just want to raise your neck and shake you a little bit and then be like, can you give one fuck? Could you care a little bit more so i could be more chill because if we have this bandwidth between us something's got to give and i don't know if, um this this i think is something that happens with the accountability resistance piece too if you bend a little bit i'm willing to bend too so we don't get stuck in that gridlock if you uh-huh. if it's like the the chill and then the over functioner dynamic in a relationship if you could function a bit more and and pick up some of what i'm putting down Then I feel more comfortable with that equilibrium of backing off, but I need to know that you're going to take a step forward before I take a step back, it might be Uh not worthwhile or require too much courage in that moment to take a step back preemptively, hoping you fill in that space so Uh so when you bring that up it's like it's so important to have. That clear communication and it's so important to honor that your partner may not at all think the way that you think, which is exactly why you're attracted to them. But it's also what pisses you off, because in those moments, you want them to think the way that you think (laughs) you Mm -hmm. want to share that one mindset of like, well, that's what I would have done. And if you end your sentence with that, that is more work for you to do. Have you ever told your partner that's what you expect? Have they agreed to it? If yes, then you could be like, what the heck, dude? Like, you should have done this because we talked about this.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm just checking with myself. And as I think about it, I think it's really true. Like if, if that language is coming out of me, that's what I would have done, or this yeah. is how I do it. Like actually that almost every time is a signal to like, oh, I need to check some of my assumptions, my judgments, myself. Me. I have a little work to do yep. um, because why am I thinking that my partner should be exactly like me? So that's like a that's a little it red would make flag. My life just easier like here to live,
0: obviously. Come on, Ryan. <laughs> it's like just to be a doppelganger and do exactly what I do. Because yeah. I wouldn't have to deal with conflict and friction, and I would just get my way and have it be easier, especially on three hours of sleep. <laughs> ah. uh,
1: but yeah, those kind of words. Um, it's just like the when you say "should," I should this, you should this, we should this. That's a uh, that's um that's Coming a little somewhere. moment to go. Huh? Let's uh let's slow that down and take some accountability of how I'm thinking, what judgments I'm bringing into this space and what I might be able to do
0: differently. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no more other ideas. I have hundreds, but they're probably separate episode <laughs> topics. So I think, yeah, I think we can, we can um, call it here as that's they say, because that's a very, we went on not tangents, but I think it's like, there's the tree trunk. We, we explored thoroughly like all the roots of this topic and came up with i in my opinion some other episode ideas for the future because i know that at least the one that jumps out right now besides going back and listening to this after which i will do nagging is a huge one that not a lot of couples see eye to eye on and i will leave like an easter egg spoiler a lot of the times this was modeled in our family and we either are recreating it because it was effective i.e the person did something out of the nagging and the marriage that they saw modeled, their partnership they saw modeled And other times it wasn't effective, but we don't have another way to do it. So we're like, I'll just nag at them. And then sometimes it's not nagging at all. Then the person just feels nagged. And I'm like, that's to your point, there's still a lot of inner work for you to do if you're experiencing something that your partner isn't intending and they've made that clear and they role play it in session. And I'm like, yeah, that's not nagging. She could be, or he could be so much worse. Like, trust me, I have heard way worse nagging. If you think that's nagging, chances are you just don't want to be held accountable. And that's what brings them to this episode.
1: Heck yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Nagging. Look for that in future episodes coming up. Um. Cool. Let's wrap it. Thank you. All right. Every listener, uh, appreciate you. If you've got questions for us, or you want us to answer something specific about your relationship on a podcast, shoot us an email: Ryan and Talia at thecouplesguidepodcast dot
0: Yes. And if you have other questions that you want, like a maybe maybe brief, but possibly episode length, uh, long answer, episode long answer on, um, I do a Q and a every so often on my Instagram at Talia Bombola, and you can find me there and submit your questions. Thank you. Thanks again, everyone. Take good care.